Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Well, I'm trying to think if I have ever done uh, this before. Um, I uh, am going to preach from a text that I preached from just several months ago. And uh, this same Old Testament passage, the calling of God to Samuel, uh, was in the lectionary the second week of Epiphany. And it appears to us again, um, just, a, just so you know what we're doing, uh, if you ever look at a lectionary, and I'm sure y'all do that you know, pretty regularly, <laughs> but if you ever look at the lectionary, once you hit ordinary time during our summer, so after Trinity Sunday, the second week of Pentecost, once you go into ordinary time, you have two tracks that, that the readings go on. And whichever track you choose, you're supposed to stay on it for the whole season. And last year we did track two, and track two is where um, it's more thematically based. And track one just follows through more scripture, larger chunks of it. So we'll be reading a good bit from Samuel. So um, last year we did track two, this year we're doing track one, and here sits this story yet again. And this week as I was uh, thinking about this, I, I, my mind went back to a, sto uh, a story that I've heard uh, numerous times. It has to be apocryphal. It couldn't possibly be true. But it's one of these great stories that you hear. And uh, it was of this church that was looking for their pastor. Um, they were doing a pastoral search, and they had a number of candidates come through. This is the way this church did it. And finally, they had one candidate come through, and apparently, he was an amazing preacher. And he just really knew how to offer the scriptures. And the way that he, his insight into the Bible was beautiful, and his use of the language was just astounding. And after church, um, that service, the, the church decided that this was who they were going to call as their pastor. So they called this, this pastor, and the following month, he arrived on the first Sunday of the month, and he stood up, and he opened to the same text, and he preached basically the same sermon. And his insight was amazing, and his use of language was beautiful and powerful, and many of the people even got some new uh, heard some new things because the scripture is always alive and the Holy Spirit's always at work. And the people walked away and said, well, we're, I don't know what, what was happening there, but I'm, he, I'm sure glad that this guy's our pastor. So he came back the second week and he opens up to the same text and he begins to preach the exact same sermon. And his insight is still really good and his use of the language is really beautiful and he's, you know, it's amazing. And the people, you know, still kind of learn something. So this is really strange. We've never... All right, but, you know, third week came, the same exact thing. Guy opens up his Bible, and he preaches from exactly the same text, and his insight is wonderful, and his use of the language is potent and beautiful. But after the sermon, um, after the service, some people started getting concerned. And they came to the chairman of the deacons. And they said, you know, we are so glad that we called this pastor. I really think he's, he's our pastor. But if he does this again, if he does this next week, y'all are going to have to talk to him. So he comes the fourth week, and he 
opens up the Bible, and he goes to exactly the same passage, and he preaches essentially the same sermon and makes wonderful uh, use of the scriptures and great language. But after church, the deacons pile into the pastor's office, and they say, Pastor, we are really glad that you're here. We don't have really any doubt that we should have called you to be our pastor, um, but we, we are a little concerned, and we, are, have a, we do have a question do you have another sermon? And the pastor said, I do, but it doesn't seem to me that we've gotten this one yet, so I thought I would just keep preaching it until we got it. See, this is the kind of story that pastors tell when we're by ourselves. It's not pretty in there, you know. Um, But I kept thinking about that, and that's not what I'm doing today. But there is a part of me that just wonders... um, I know I was drawn back to this story again and wonders if there's something that we do need to sit with a little bit longer. The early pages of 1 Samuel paint a really dire picture. Just before the section that we read today, we heard that the nation's spiritual leadership was overrun with evil. Eli's sons were the assistant priests, and they were pure scoundrels. They were the worst kind of crooks and charlatans. They were men who used their armed hooligans to steal the people's sacrifices. The ones the people brought for God, they would take them for themselves. They used their authority, and they used God's name to do vast amounts of violence and evil. They used their privilege to ensnare women and use them for their own pleasure and then would toss them away like trash in the mornings. These priests were supposed to be spokespersons for God, but they made a mockery of their holy work. They were supposed to serve the people, to speak God's words to the people, but they were serving themselves abusing their power. They were using God's name to do what they wanted to do. And so you can be reading 1 Samuel, and you don't even have to have any kind of verdict. You just know as you're reading this story that trouble is coming, that God is not going to allow this to continue. But we arrive at today's scripture, and we hear that there's a boy named Samuel who is ministering in the temple. And you think, right at this moment, a boy? The nation is in crisis. The priesthood is in disarray. No disrespect to kids, but what we need at this moment is an adult on the scene. We need someone with some real authority, someone with some leadership, Someone with experience, someone who can right the ship, someone who's trained in the ways of God, but has a little bit of moxie too. We don't really need a little boy, but it gets worse. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, the scripture tells us. Israel existed, as we all do, by the word of the Lord, by that ongoing, creative, 
sustaining voice of God, the same voice that spoke creation into existence and is always speaking the world into existence, always speaking your life and your future into existence. And the word of God was rare. As one writer said, the people couldn't find a good sermon for love or money. And some of you may know what that's like. There are great vacuums of space, aren't there at times, where it seems like the word of God is rare. Maybe one of the things I encounter from you the most in conversation, in pastoral spaces with you is something like, I just don't feel close to God. I don't feel like I'm hearing God. I don't know what to do exactly so that I can encounter God. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And, the scripture says, there were not many, many visions. The visions were, for the prophets, a primary way that they would encounter God and hear God. And then we hear next this description, and hear it in this context of what we've just read. Eli, he's, he's the, the main priest. Eli's eyes were becoming so weak he could hardly see. I think this is true in a literal sense, but it seems like there's something more going on than just the physical here. That perhaps the eyes of Eli's heart were growing dim. The scripture says the lamp of God had not gone out yet. God's presence had not departed. The word of God was rare. Visions were not happening very often, but the lamp of God had not gone out. The night was descending, literally. The moon was rising in the sky. But it seems as though the night is descending on Israel. Chaos is on the cusp. But God had not abandoned them. And so Eli is asleep in his room, and Samuel is asleep in his room, and the scripture says it's near the ark of God, near the presence of God. And Samuel's dozing off when he's awakened by a voice. And you'll remember this, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, here am I. And he doesn't hear anything after that. So he runs off to Eli and he says, you called me Eli. And Eli says, no, I didn't go back to bed. So he goes back to bed and the voice comes again. And he answers, he hears Samuel, Samuel. And he answers, here I am. There's nothing. So he runs to Eli and he says to Eli, hey, um, you called me. And he said, no, I didn't go back to bed. And he goes, uh, you may be hearing God. The scripture says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So what we have at this point in the story is a, a police, an old priest who's going blind, who's supposed to be the mature experience in matters of hearing God, but his eyes and his heart have grown dim. His ears seem to be turning deaf to God. 
And then we have a boy who doesn't even know the Lord. This is Israel's A-team. Thankfully, the main point in this story isn't the ones who are listening. The main point in this story is the God who is speaking. As Christians, as a church, we want to learn to listen. We talk about a lot about what it means to put our heart and our body in a posture of listening. But the center of things, the real energy, actually is not in us listening just right. The center is the God who speaks. As Samuel goes back to bed and hears the voice again, he goes to Eli a third time. And finally, Eli recognizes what's going on. Samuel, I think what's happening here is that God is talking to you. So go back to bed, and the next time you hear this voice, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It took Samuel three times to understand that it's God. This is Samuel, who would become one of the greatest prophets Israel would ever know. It should comfort us to know that it took him a while to understand. Apparently, it even took Eli, the real priest, three times to understand too. So Samuel goes back. He hears the voice and he says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But I don't think Samuel or anybody really wanted to hear the words that God had to say. I'm about to do something new in Israel that will make the ears of those who hear it tingle. Isn't that a powerful phrase? That God is going to do something that will make the ears tingle. This this is going to be a hard word this time, though. See, God had said that because of Eli's son's violence and evil, that he was going to judge the house of Eli, that they would cease to be the priests of God, that they were going to be removed from the scene. And God tells Samuel, what I promised I'm going to do to Eli and his sons is it's going to happen. And Samuel stays awake the rest of the night. Of course he does. What else do you do? when you've had this kind of encounter and then you've heard this kind of word. And the next morning, Eli calls him and says, so what did God say? And the scripture says that Samuel was terrified to tell Eli. And Eli says, tell me, tell me the entire truth. Don't hold anything back. And Samuel tells him that the judgment is coming on his family. And Eli says, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So we have two remarkable responses here. 